I don't want to see what the clean animal looks like. I want to see what the actual condition of the animal is. If it's got scabs, I want to see scabs. If it's got flea dirt, I want to see flea dirt. If there is pus and rubbish sitting on the skin, I want to see it. I'm taking a slightly different tack with this episode of the Vet Podcast. I'm just between projects at the moment and was having a look back at our archive of old recordings. Now, a little bit of a history here. The Vet Podcast has been going for something like 10 or 15 years and it was originally set up to give information to my clinic's clients via a podcast and things obviously have changed and morphed over the last few years. Now... I give apologies here to the clinicians who are listening to this because what I'm doing is going back to where we started. I'm going to discuss firstly how to get the most out of your visit to the veterinarian and secondly what to do if you come across an animal which has been hit by a car. Also apologies both of these recordings were recorded prior to COVID. So some of the stuff's just a little bit grey. But if you're a pet owner, I'm sure you get something out of this. Are you a veterinarian dreaming about working down under in New Zealand? If so, I'd love to help you make that dream come true. Hi, I'm Julie South of Vetstaff. Vetstaff is New Zealand's only recruitment agency specialising in the Kiwi veterinary sector. We can help you find your dream job down under, from short-term locum assignments through to permanent employment and residency. Because we know God's own Aotearoa New Zealand like the back of our hands, we can match your career aspirations with a clinic that'll suit you best. Whether you're planning to work here for a few months or forever, if it's got anything to do with working in a vet clinic in New Zealand, we can help. Vetstaff.co.nz You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world. This may sound like a really dumb subject, but for us as veterinarians, it can be really important. So we'll start at the start here. If you're coming down to see your veterinarian, the first thing is please make an appointment. Now, I appreciate that sometimes we may be looking at real emergencies, animals that have been hit by a car or a convulsing or something fairly dramatic. At the very least, give us a ring and let us know that you're on the way and we will try and have veterinary staff available and the appropriate gear waiting for you when you when you arrive. Now, this having veterinary staff available is a good reason to make an appointment. A lot of clinics haven't got vets sitting around just waiting for people to come in. As a rule, we're fairly busy people. So it may well be that all of the veterinarians are either in surgery or already consulting, and you arrive with your animal without an appointment, and there is nobody there to see you. Maybe the vets are all off on lunch, I don't know. There is quite a bit of equipment which is fairly specialised to do certain conditions. You arrive without an appointment, it may be that the equipment that is required is actually out of service, being cleaned, which is quite an important one. Maybe it's in the autoclave if we're looking at um, gear which is used for sterile kind of things, and it may not be available. 
a lot of practices have veterinarians with special interests in certain areas. In our clinic, some of the veterinarians are particularly interested in, for example, eye conditions. Now, all of us can deal with eye conditions, but what we tend to do is, if we have an animal coming in with, again, for example, an eye condition in our, in our surgery, we will allocate that client, or we, we will book that client in to see our eye veterinarian. So it j- just helps increase the kind of care that we're giving. So that's rule number one, I guess, is please make an appointment before you come down. When you do arrive, have your dog on a lead or your cat in a cage. We actually stipulate this in our clinic for good reason. We have had occasions two or three times in the past where we've had some fairly nasty dog fights go on in the waiting room. Now this is stressful for the animals and the owners and the veterinary staff and anyone who has anything to do with it. So have your dog on a lead, have your cat in a cat cage. Not infrequently we have people drive up to the clinic with a cat just sitting in the car thinking that they will pick the cat up and carry it into the clinic. One of a couple of things can happen. They'll open the door of the car and the cat will dive straight out and run down the road. We had the really sad situation a few years ago where this happened and the cat ran out onto the road and got hit by a car and died which was really quite tragic. We've had the odd cat up the tree, up trees as well. When you do arrive at the clinic please try and arrive on time. Vets often work on a fairly tight schedule and honestly if somebody arrives 10 minutes late for their consult it can throw the whole morning out and means that everybody is kept waiting. Now I appreciate that some of you will be on a fairly tight schedule as well so there is a way out of this. Often what veterinary practices will do if they are running late is actually give the clients a ring and say look I'm sorry we've had an emergency come in we'll be half an hour late do you mind coming half an hour later the other way around is for you to actually ring up the clinic and just ask how the consults are going it may be that um, we have had an emergency come in and we'll say look we're running 20 minutes late, do you mind coming in 20 minutes later? We're not offended if you ring up to see how we're going because we know exactly what it's like when we have to wait at the doctor's or the dentist or wherever and you end up waiting for an hour. If you think your pet has got an infectious disease, let the receptionist know at the time that you are making the appointment. You know, If you're looking at something like the snuffles in the cat or perhaps kennel cough or parvovirus or something like that in the dog just ask the reception if they want you to keep the animal outside or perhaps the clinic has an isolation area the last thing we want is for you to bring in and bring in an infectious animal into the clinic and infect everything else which is waiting in the waiting room if the vet says not to feed the animal please don't there's a couple of reasons for this if the animal is booked in for surgery if the animal is fed there is a much increased chance of the animal vomiting either when it's being induced for anaesthetic that is when it's been originally put to sleep or when it is waking up now if you've got a half asleep animal vomiting that is a really really bad situation because the vomit can cause a couple of problems it can block the the air passages causing asphyxiation in the animal The animal can also breathe it down into the lungs and give a thing called an inspiration pneumonia which is a really nasty infection in the lungs and can be very hard to get fixed. There's also certain tests which require animals to have no food food in them. The one that's coming to mind now is one that we do called a TLI, a trypsin lipase immunoassay which is used for 
diagnosing um, pancreatic insufficiency. These animals cannot be fed for 12 hours prior to the blood tests. And while we're talking about this, the timing of the tests is also important. Some tests need to be taken a certain time after the, after the medication is given. Some tests need to be taken at the time that the medication has actually been given. So if you're booking your animal in for a test, just ask the um, veterinarian or the receptionist what you do as far as food. Now, when you're bringing the animal into the clinic for a consultation, we actually want to see it au naturel. I find it really quite frustrating when you have, for example, a dog brought in which has got a history of having really, really bad skin. The owners are quite embarrassed about this. Probably their friends have been having them on about it for, for a wee while. It's not uncommon for people to actually bring these animals in after they've given them a bath. I don't want to see what the clean animal looks like. I want to see what the what the actual condition of the animal is. If it's got scabs, I want to see scabs. If it's got flea dirt, I want to see flea dirt. If there is pus and rubbish sitting on the skin, I want to see it. I don't need the ears cleaned. I'm going to have a look in the ears and see what's actually in there. If I can't see what's in there because of the rubbish, I'll clean them out. But I actually want to see what the rubbish is that I'm cleaning out because it's really quite handy for us to diagnose what's going on. The same thing goes with wiping the eyes. I mean, keep the eyes clean. But if you're bringing the animal in for um, a discharge in the eye, why would you clean it when you're in the car park bringing the animal in? Along this path is when you're bringing your bird into the veterinary clinic, don't clean the cage out. We can glean a lot of information from the bottom of a bird cage. What are its feces look like? Is the animal actually husking the feed that it's eating? People taking videos of their animals with their, with their mobile phones. This is actually really, really handy. If, for example, we've got a dog which has got a lameness or an animal which is having convulsions, people will bring in videos of these. And again, it just all adds to the information that we can gather as to what's wrong with the animal. The history is very important as well. By history, we mean what have you actually seen with the animal. Have a think about what is actually wrong before you come down. It's... A little bit frustrating when people come into the clinic and you ask them what is wrong with their animal and they say it is sick. How is it sick? Why is it sick? Is it eating? Is it not eating? When did it eat last? When did it when did it last go to the toilet, urinate, defecate? Is it drinking more? Has it been vomiting? How long has it been going on for? Is it a waxing and waning disease? Now a few wee, wee ideas here. Personally, I think it's actually quite a good idea if you write down the problem and anything that you think is relevant. Also, write down any questions that you have about the condition. We don't think any less of you if you do this. In fact, it actually makes our life a lot easier when we have these people come in with a whole list of problems and of queries that they've got about the animal. For us, it makes it quite good because... The, the, the owner has sat down and actually thought about things and you can go through a rational history taking. Probably half of the diseases that we diagnose are actually diagnosed on the history. People tell us what is wrong with the animal and aha, this is what's wrong with the animal as far as we're concerned. Many vets will send you home with information handouts, but don't hesitate to take notes yourself. 
it's often quite good to actually write down what the vet is telling you because often you're getting so much information dispensed to you that it's hard at the time to actually take take a grip of what's going on with everything. Another thing that I'll often get clients to do, particularly if I'm, you know, if you're looking at an animal where you're giving different options, you know, different surgical options or different medical options, go home, have a talk about it, write down a list of your questions and get back to us. I find that really, really quite useful because it gives you a time again to digest the information that you've been given. And I know it's a little bit of a buzzword, but really we're into giving informed advice or we're after informed consent for what we're going to do we get the best results from anything that we do if the owner understands what we're trying to do the theory of what's going on probably quite importantly the prognosis what's the chance of what we are doing actually going to get the animal right Um, and we find that by going that way we don't have disappointed owners and we don't have disappointed vets now a visit to the vet, although it may be quite stressful for your pet, need not be for you. We're all humans with the same love of animals as you. Our major concern is the welfare of your pet. A bit of help from you makes our life a heck of a lot easier. The Vet Podcast has no sponsorship, but as is the way of the world, It still costs money to produce, what with the hosting site, interviewing platforms and software subscriptions, not to mention the recording equipment required. So if you enjoy the podcasts, why not show it in a small way and buy me a coffee? If you are so inclined, go to buymeacoffee.com slash vetpodcasts or to our social media buyer site. Now back to the podcast. As long as there are cats and dogs, and as long as there are cars, there are going to be injured animals. Most people, at one time or another, have to decide whether to give first aid to that dog in the middle of the road or to drive on. I would like to think that you would stop. The first rule in this situation is not to put yourself at risk. Car drivers are not expecting someone to be in the middle of the road, so have someone warning oncoming traffic and get the animal off the road as soon as possible. Just be careful though, Injured or frightened animals can be dangerous. Talk to them calmly, be gentle and be patient. To lift them, hold them carefully by the rump and by the scruff. By holding them by the scruff, if the animal does decide to try and bite you, hopefully you can guide the sharp end away from you. If the cat hisses or the dog barks, beware. For small dogs or cats, a blanket can be dropped over them and completely wrapped up, including their head and claws. Large dogs may need a muzzle, which can be made out of a bandage or the like, to tie the mouth shut. If the animal's tail is hanging limp and it is unable to move its back end, it has possibly got a spinal injury. The way we treat these is probably a little bit different than the way that we are taught to treat humans. With humans, the mantra is don't move them until we know that the spine is alright. It's probably a wee bit different with cats and dogs. Unfortunately, 
In most situations, now I'm not saying all, but most situations, if we have got a broken spinal cord, we are probably not going to be able to do too much about it. Our priority here is to get the animal off the road and into safety. If the, if the spinal cord is broken, we are looking at euthanasia for this animal, most likely. Once off the road, first aid can now be administered. Keep it simple. You are trying to get the animal in a condition where it can be taken without delay to a veterinarian. Now the same principles apply to a pet as humans, that is, check the airways, breathing and circulation, the ABC of first aid. Unfortunately, because of the dangers of being bitten and the anatomy, mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation really isn't on, but carefully check the animal is able to breathe. Apply pressure to any areas of bleeding either by direct pressure or by pressure bandages. Try to keep lacerations as clean as possible. Broken bones should be stabilised by at least somebody holding them so that they don't flap around. If you have a long trip to the veterinarian, warmth is important to decrease the effect of shock. So cover the animal with a blanket and maybe even place a hot water bottle on it. Smaller animals should be placed in a box. Now keep talking to the animal calmly. A veterinarian should be contacted immediately. We would much rather know that they are coming so that we have got staff available and we have got the equipment required available. Now vets on the whole provide a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week service. If you are unable to transport the animal to a vet, the SPCA should be contacted or the veterinarian may think it wise to come to the scene of the accident if the injury so require. If you do see an animal injured, don't forget it is most probably someone's loved pet. Show some compassion and come to the animal's aid. And that's it for another episode of the Vet Podcast. All of our links are in one place at beacons.ai slash vetpodcast. That is B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot A-I slash vetpodcast. And while you're there, don't forget to buy us a coffee. On behalf of me, Brian Greger, and everybody else involved in the making of this podcast, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again soon. Music